Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Season 7, episode 26. And boy, have we got an excited evening, morning, or afternoon for you. Back by popular demand, he's described as one of the most interesting presenters on radio. Um, Not dull, not boring. It's Johnny. Johnny, where are you and what are you up to? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not on the radio for starters. I'm I'm in my loft talking to you, Sean, and really looking forward to it. Excellent. Also back, he's a global TV star. He's been broadcast in 150 countries, including the UK, on Sky Sports and on BT Sports. It's the Shed Man. What are you up to? Where? Are, what are you doing? I'm in my shed. Excellent. Uh, any. Any fame found from your, your TV appearance? Well, they spelt my name wrong, which disappointed no, so. me. Because um, now half of India thinks they're either related to me or I'm an albino. So that may have baffled them a bit. But mm. apart from that, yeah, did all right. I got, I think I got seen in the United Arab Emirates. Got any friends there? Uh, I did get a text from Dubai, yes. Yeah. Um, and then um, it got seen in Australia. I've got a friend, Brighton fan, funny enough. Watched it. Yeah, right. um, Good. Yeah, so, yeah, got a, got a few well, texts. Yeah, saying... Including right, one from a um, a senior West Ham director. Uh, uh, we can't say who it is, but what did she text you? <laughs> she, yeah, why don't you give the game away? Uh, she, I think she said... That uh, uh, well done, it brought a tear to the eye. Yeah, to which I replied, See, I can see not say nice things about the club from time to time. There you go, with gritted teeth. That'll get get the tongues wagging in Wissa. No, um, what's his name? George. He hasn't been in for so long. No, George tonight. He was uh, well. He's got something else to do, and, and uh, a lot of us feel that way at the moment. Well, he, was, we're, we're quite he had a day off because he was doing something last night for the Super Bowl. 
So he was out and about today doing whatever. So was the Super Bowl last night? I thought it hasn't been yet. Yeah, it was no, last, last night. night. I fell asleep watching it. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. So who he, won? The ones who weren't supposed to win. Ah, oh, there you go. I missed it. There you go. But it's not a uh, American Super Bowl podcast. It is a football podcast, and we've got two amazing, interesting games to discuss. Starting with uh, neither of which I went to, and actually neither of which I watched actually in, in any great detail. I did watch the Palace game, but I wasn't there. Let's start with you, John, because you went to West Ham one, Palace one, at the London Stadium. Talk to us about the atmosphere. Talk to us about the excitement. Talk to us. Blow by bow the glade. Blow by bow the glade. Who? Me? Yeah, you, John. Yeah, that was great. We got a really good draw. Um, and that's about it, really. A hard fault draw? Um, yeah, I'll just be honest with you, it seems that long ago. I can't. It was last it was, Tuesday. Um, yeah. Wasn't them, great. Them four point jugs, not uh, not taking it off. You're absolutely right. Just to be clear, John, it was six days ago. I know. I know. There's lots happened in it. No, it wasn't great, was it? It was pretty poor. But that's about it, mate. I really don't remember much about it. Nigel, come on, save us here. Talk to us. Give us some. Some some commentary of of anything we did right or what we did wrong. Um, what did we do right? We got a penalty and we scored it. Yeah, you did say it would be a Mark Noble penalty, I think, on the last podcast. Um, and then, well, I said it'd be one all as well. So um, another prediction, right? All right, it no was, one I likes mean, the game. Smart. Come on, the game was a bit lifeless. It was probably the draw was probably a, a fair reflection of the game. I mean, Chikorito was unlucky with the header, but then you'd like to think from four yards out because it looked four yards out from where I was sitting, like eighty-four yards or hundred and forty-four yards away. Um, that it was a point-blank header and the keeper done well. But I had a few people watching it on telly saying what well, they thought he really should have scored. So. But Benteke scored, obviously. Um, I don't know. Is that the second time he scored this season or the first? Well, that says it all, really, isn't it? If if he's if he scored, you know you've been really exposed at, at the yeah. back um, again. Um, it's 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 difficult. Really. Yeah. Second, I'm just looking it up. Second goal in 19 appearances for Palace yeah. this season. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, they were singing the way the, that the, the shit that Benteke scored at us. Yeah, it was. It was just. It was just sort of like painful watch again, wasn't it? It was just. What's yeah. this? Do yeah. it, there was things went on. Like remember that Sacco, he went down and then he dragged that out as an injury, and then he sort well, of. To be fair, he had off. broke his ankle. Is that what oh, he did? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and everyone was moaning him, <laughs> saying, "It's funny, isn't it?" Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is an injury, then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it was real. After the, you know, because he, he sort of went down and then he, he walked about and then he fell down again and they stopped the game again and everybody went mad and it came out after the game. He's actually broke his ankle, so because Palace fans were <laughs> moaning about, uh, I think it was Zabaleta, uh, like jumped into the tackle and didn't get anything for it. But I think Zabaleta got the ball. 
But um, the, the thing so, with it was, is that he he'd gone off to get treatment, and then when yeah. he couldn't stand up anymore, he then sat down back on the pitch, didn't he? That's it. He walked back on the pitch and sat down. Sat down, but, yeah, and then stopped yeah. the game again. Um, you can walk on a broken ankle, having done it, but it bloody yeah. hurts. Yeah. So, cracked open, had he? Kiarty had. He did. Well, David Moyes said he played better after knocking his head. Did you see that? No. Perhaps they told. Perhaps he got concussion. They told him he was Pele. And, uh, he... So, um, Mario. Oh, sorry. There you got one job. Come on, Mario. First full debut. What did you think of Mario in the flesh? Watching from the London Stadium. He looks like he's got some ability about him. He looks like he, you know. He, I don't know how when he came to us. He obviously hadn't played much, I guess. But um, yeah, he looked like he had a bit about him. He had a couple of opportunities, or at least one in front of us, where you know the ball come across him. A bit like he did in the next game we talk about, where it sort of came to him, and you, yeah. you would have hoped that someone who's reportedly going to cost that sort of money might have finished it. But yeah, he looks mm. like he's got something about him. It would have been be nice to see him for the rest of the season and watch him go back to Inter. Yeah. BBC man of the match was Mark Noble. Do you do you agree with that, Nigel? Yeah, I do. I think Mark Noble should just get man of the match every game for being Mark Noble. <laughs> Wrong person to ask. So John, do yeah, you think Mark I, Noble yeah. should have got man of the match? No, I do. I do think it was. Yes. He played one of his better games and Chiarty seemed to have a, a good game as well. Chiarty bang did. on the head. Yeah. Yeah, Unlucky to to lose. People have said, and I'm going to talk about Antonio in a minute before we move on. People said if we'd have had Antonio or a bit or or even Lanzini or and um, and Altovic, then we'd have probably won the game. Possibly. I mean, we 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 looked so short, didn't we? It was they were there for the taking? They said. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, oh, Townsend had a good game, but um. Yeah, he, we, he got we, the assist, didn't he, for Benteke? Eh? Say that again. He got the assist for Benteke. Yeah. Yeah, he left. Was it Declan Rice he done out on the wing? But, um, yeah, I mean, I think if we'd have had our full side out there, I think we we probably would have beaten them the way we had been playing previous anyway. Quick stat attack. Actually, even though we're at home, we only had 40% possession. Palace obviously enjoyed 60%. We had... Eight shots, only three on target. Well, they had nine shots, three on target. So from the stats, from the shots, it seems evenly matched to be 1-1. But they enjoyed most of possession, which seems to happen a lot lately. Even at home, we allow the visitors to have more possession. Is that right, Nigel? That's what it seems. We we seem to defend deep, which which, um, basically we surrender possession but make it difficult for them to play through us, which, which... to be fair, I don't really, you know, me stats, you know, make me fall asleep. But um, yeah, you know, the only stat I'm bothered about is the goals and the goals. Yeah. That's what you look at, um, and it and it's, it tells itself that they were even, so it was an even game. Okay. Well, before we move on to the next game, let's just talk about Mikel Antonio because the stats is he wasn't on time for the meeting. He was disciplined. Uh, by being dropped from the squad, even though he was due to be on the bench. Uh, hung out to drive, some would say. 
and said it wasn't the first time he was late for meeting. It's zero tolerance. He's come out and talked to the Sun yesterday and said it was a mix-up. He used to go to meetings at the hotel and didn't know it had been moved to the London Stadium. He turned up to the wrong location uh, and it was just an innocent mistake. And he's not usually late, uh, but he understands, uh, he accepts that he was late because he went to the wrong place and he accepts the gaffer has to have a, a strong line. Do you, do, you, do you believe Mikel Antonio? Do you think there's more to it? Rumours of him not getting on, uh, being a bad attitude in the dressing room, rumours of maybe a little altercation between him and uh, Mark Noble a little while ago. But as far as I can tell, they're, they're just rumours. Do you, do you think he's a bad influence? Or do you think actually it was a, an honest mistake as he claims in the sun yesterday? John? I I wouldn't say any different against him. You've got no way of knowing. You can't judge any of that, no. can you? No. You, no. you just got to take him for, for his word. Um, no, I don't think he... He doesn't come across as a troublesome, problematic type of person. So yeah. I, would, I would like to think not, you know. He's come out and said... Was that in the same interview where he said, like... There's always yeah. something going on at the club. There's always a yeah. bit nice to He come. said he's frustrating. He said it, the headlines are distracting and frustrating. He'd like to come to work, one sort of just come to work or not have yeah. a think about anything other than just playing football. Yeah. 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 Nigel, last last point on this before we move on. Uh, are you giving him the benefit of the doubt, Mickey? Well, <clears throat> it's either the PR people have come up with a brilliant story to take the heat off him from the fans or it's yeah. the truth now if it is the truth I think he's been a bit arsely dealt with uh, zero tolerance or not so if it is the truth that yeah. they moved the meetings and because he's been injured he didn't get the memo to yeah. to one to drop him but we didn't know he'd been dropped until David Moyes told us afterwards uh, seems a bit harsh so I would fall does. down on the concoction story. Ooh. All right. Well, let's move on because we had a game at the seaside against Brighton. None of us went. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't very well over the weekend and I didn't really see the, the game. In fact, I haven't even seen the highlights. So I'm relying on you two guys. I saw Chikorito's goal, which I thought was good. Um, but I can't really share anything more, except I know we lost 3-1, which ain't great. And I'm going to start off with the stats because I know um, Nigel likes them. Um, so Brighton had 54% of the possession to our 46. West Ham had a poor four shots, just one on target. Uh, while Brighton enjoyed 21 shots at our goal and five on target. Nigel, let's start with you this time. What do you make of the game? Them stats for Brighton makes it their best ever Premier League game. And that's what they wow. said after. That's the most shots they've ever had in one game in the Premier League. I think I think it's the joint top goals that they've scored in the Premier League in one game. Do we remember the yeah. other game that they got three goals in? Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was against uh, us. So... Um, you know, perhaps an irrational hatred of Brighton is starting to set in. The performance 
we weren't at the races from from the start of the game. You had Byram clattering that bloke from kickoff. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, Creswell was lucky not to be sent off for his behind uh, from his tackle from behind, where he flew through the air and cleaned the bloke out after the ball had gone. And what saved him was the uh, altercation at half time, well, you know, in the tunnel. Apparently, they had a yeah, bit of a bust. Saved up. him was the fact that the bloke scored a well, was that they scored a goal and the referee let it play on and they got a goal and he never went back to yeah. Creswell because watch it, Creswell's like off off the ground with both feet and like almost scissored. Yeah tackled him out horrendous tackle so he he done well there considering he got booked later on in the game I think Creswell so the just the start was just abysmal I mean it was a great goal by Hernandez lovely touch off oh. by Shelton yeah little little yeah. triangle wasn't it you know so they're there's something there to work on that hopefully there's a chink of light and that may bring Hernandez um something to to feed off of. Jao Mario's no Lanzini though. And I think that's the problem. And if if Jao Mario's a forty million pound player, then you know, I if if it gets to the point where Lanzini says I'm off, I'd like to think we'd be getting sixty million for him at least. Well I'm told we couldn't even afford Mario. We'd have to sell a player to be able to afford him, but that's another story for later. Uh, John, uh, what was your take of the game? Did you actually watch it or did you get bored and switch off? No, I stuck with it. uh, Yeah, I watched it. Um, Yeah, yeah, we just didn't get going. They were were just better to the ball and everything about it was better than us for long periods of the game. There was that little bit of hope when we scored that goal. It was a great goal. But then Hernandez was sort of culpable for giving the ball away that started their first goal, wasn't he? So it wasn't... I don't know, it was just... The, the way they got through our defence for that first goal was just ridiculous. I mean, more I see a Byron, you know, really, when we got him, they should have left him at Leeds for another year or two, I think. Let him carry on playing. But... um. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, just disappointing, wasn't it? Just disappointing. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I can't, I can't, I mean, I, I saw, read the reports. I didn't watch the whole game. I saw the goal. Oh, Antonio I, came I, on and didn't get a chance, didn't hardly do anything. That the new lad, can't even think of his name now, came on for a bit, didn't I know he even touched the ball. Um, we're, we're about to move on to the racism row. But do you think, and I'm asking you this question, that the the problems in the media around the furore after that affected the players? And David Moyes was asked the same question. And he said, no, not at all. Do, do you think that headlines like this I don't think could so. be affecting the players? I don't think so. Because I, mean, I, I listened to that thing on Talk Sport today when um, they were talking about all the stuff that's going on at West Ham and, and Danny mm. Murphy's there. And he, he says it from a player's point of view. And he says it doesn't affect him. It's all this stuff. It shouldn't affect him. So I, I don't. How, how about how about the uh, apparently when it was nil nil, the booing and the bored out chants. No, it wasn't. And, there wasn't booing. From what I could tell, that didn't start till we went one nil down. Okay, I'm, I'm just repeating what Jim White said today, but it might not be the trust most trustworthy source at the moment. I, I um, think so there was. Go on. A bored out chant as the game kicked off. 
because I, I remember thinking, wow, right. the boys are out early. That's good to hear. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, I like, and the reason why I say that is to, to show that this is not about us losing. The, the, the chants are there from from the minute the game starts. And that that's not derogative to the players, but it tells the owners it's nothing to do with losing this reaction. It's to do with the way well, you that's, behave. That's what the, yeah. That's what Danny yeah. Murphy said as well, though. I mean, they're charting board out, not That's players right. out. So why does yeah. it yeah. affect them? Yeah. Well, West Ham dropped down from 10th to, to 12th by losing that game. Um, you know, Everton are now in 10th from 31. Same with, uh, as Bournemouth, who are in 9th place, believe it or not, when they were in trouble. Uh, Watford are just above us. One more point on 28 points. We're on We're on the top of the pack of 27 uh, in 12th place with Brighton on 27 and same goal difference, minus 14, and Crystal Palace on 27 at minus 15. So although we're 12th, we're, we're only oh, one we're goal well difference it, above. We're well in it. Uh, Palace. Southampton on 26 points in, in 15th place. Newcastle on 25 points in 16th place. And Swansea, a pack of three. Swansea, Stoke and Huddersfield on 24 points. So... We're only three points. And we're 12th place in a pack of four teams on 27, or three teams on 27, um, but only three points off the relegation. This, this anybody really in that pack could get relegated this year. Yeah, and absolutely. Couldn't and they? we've been playing Watford down. Anything? Uh, anybody outside the top? You know, let's let's leave Everton Hold out. Up, we're only four Watford points down off twenty eight. Right, so I you, understand if you that. so many points, you've got to look up the same way. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Know, big game Watford coming up, we'll talk about. But, the, you know, don't just look down, look up the same amount of points. That's the, that's the way I've always worked. If you're yeah. looking down... Yeah, we look, look at it. Look at all the players, all the teams that we've been playing around us, the lack of points we've got we out just of them. Lose them. And, yeah. and, you know, the Newcastles and the Brightons that we play, we make them look like they're, they're Barcelona, don't we, when we play against them? These these newly promoted teams have looked like different gear compared to us in the last games we've played them. Yeah, and that's I the think there is a reason thing. for that. And I think What's that with then? losing Lanzini and Arnautovic, it, the upturn uh, in in our results, the good run coincided with Arnautovic being moved up front and his goal scoring run, and I think it's. It's no coincidence that that stopped when he's got injured. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to move on from talking about the stuff on the pitch to stuff off the pitch because there's been a lot of it. And let's start with Tony Henry. You know, we've, for for most people, you know, Wednesday, when Wednesday came, um, obviously, it was a poor transfer window. You know, we... We were promised some quality and, and no disrespect to Jordan Huggill, if that's his name from Preston, because he might be the next Jamie Vardy. But it wasn't the person we were expecting or when we were promised we want quality and we get a, a, an £8 million player. Um, and less than 24 hours after that, and we can come back to the transfer policy later when we talk about the board. We have this scandal where the Mail go after uh, Tony Henry, publishing details of the email. It was the same night, wasn't it? Saying, the same night. 
saying, yeah, you're right, just before the transfer window Closed, yeah. ended, uh, uh, saying that we, uh, and I paraphrase here because the email is available for a lot of people, we don't want any more African players because they cause mayhem. Um, what was your what was your take on it, John? Let's start with you. Well, um, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? This is what my take on it. It's just, I mean, they have had problems with um, Sacco, but that's a one. And maybe Alex Song. And maybe Alex Song. Well, maybe Alex Song, but you can't put. You just can't put everybody in the same pot just because of you know, of a region that they come from, you know, it's like saying everyone in Europe, every European player, if you turn it the other way around, people coming, playing for, like, who are one person who plays out of a European team, comes from Spain to our club, it's a problem, and someone who comes from France is a problem, you can't say all Europeans, you just, just it's just a ridiculous statement, isn't it? Just a ridiculous statement. So It is, you could say that about Scottish players as well, after um, Robert, Snodgrass, if yeah, if, uh, you say well, British players that we've had a problem, you know, it's just a ridiculous, just narrow-minded. Or French players, French players after the attitude of Dimitri Payet, of course. Yeah, it's just ridiculous statement. Worthy, worthy uh, club, right to sack him so quickly was was it was it do you think it was a thorough investigation do you think it was a knee-jerk reaction do you think this goes deeper i mean we've got to be aware of libel laws john so i, I ask you to keep <laughs> and what i really you think know, speculation yeah. down I mean, to minimum. I, I don't... but you can speculate on on whether because because the email said it's club policy there, we, there was contradictory things came out wasn't there the statement that said the statement that came out immediately after this was reported came out and made some kind of loose statement or broad statement saying that the board do not are not involved in the transfers. Yet there's loads of things contrary to that previous to this transfer window that we know that they they're highly involved with transfers. So my opinion that the you know this policy, if it is a policy isn't stopping at him it must go further along in the club but to which yeah. and where I, I i can't say here because you know what i really think yeah well that that's your personal views and not necessarily those of more than just a podcast yeah. um nigel what's your do you have a different take in it or or are you disappointed do you think it's an overreaction by the media do you think we live in a too politically correct world what what's the canning view town of it And you need to take yourself off. Sorry about that. Of yes. course. Uh, yes, we live in a two. You're never, never there. No, I'm a professional no, no, there. Still down there. I'm sorry, listeners. Um, all late of you. Um, so, uh, yes, the canning. Well, Nigel's view is we live in a two political correct world. Uh, I don't think it was racist. It was stupid to to generalise like that, as you said. If it was French players causing ag, would you want to say we don't want no French people? Would you say, you know, I don't know about Snodgrass, but you know, if if we had a bad run of Scottish players, would you go, oh, I don't want no more jocks anymore? You know, they're they're, they're no good, they're rubbish. No, you wouldn't, because you have to take each individual player as an individual, and if he happens to come from Africa, Europe, South America, so be it. Um, 
I think the club did the right thing in dismissing him quickly. Though reading the email, it seems to suggest that he was a messenger and not necessarily the person that devised the no African rule. So perhaps there's more to come on this. Perhaps, and, and I'm not keen to speculate as it might yeah. involve an FA inquiry, yeah. even a criminal it inquiry. It should have been so a criminal inquiry. I'm, sure I'm sorry. Be right to... People can shoot me down, whatever. I'll say it. That is not racist. It's stupid, and it, it's it's a generalisation. Yeah, I, I will stand there and argue to, to everyone. It's not a racist comment. And, but it does make, make you wonder, do we actually have a proper system in place where they go out, identify players, scout them. Well, the evidence you know, suggests not, doesn't it? Y- no, yeah, we just seem to get things thrown at us and at the last minute and you might be able to you know, if we need a certain player and he happens to come from an African or he's from an African background or whatever, you do research on that player. You look into his character. You look into his past history. You see whether he's problematic and you make a decision on the person not from the area that he's from or he's just yeah. it's just called scouting identifying players and scouting do we not do now, that the interesting thing the interesting thing about tony henry is many of you may not know this but he was an agent before he was a scout um and if if you ask me again just speculating that this is a another agent trying to get his own back you know um, I'm sure there's agents he does business with and agents he doesn't. This is all the hallmarks of being set up by an agent. I'm not. I'm not saying he didn't say it. I'm not saying he wasn't naive, but there's there's he was set up. And I think, you know, maybe an older gentleman who's got particular views and maybe he has not had the right training on how to be politically correct. Uh, and and when the media no media training that when the media contacted him he dropped himself in it further and you know we all knew he had to go. But actually, Tony Henry is very good friends with David Moyes. They've known each other from the Everton days. And obviously, Tony Henry was a chief scout at at Everton. And and my understanding is Tony Henry actually vouched for David Moyes and actually persuaded the ball to go and get David Moyes. Um, So it makes an interesting thing. The the two are friends. and, And I'm sure Moyes... Didn't say a lot of it in the interview and said, well, you know, the club made his decision and we have to move on and draw a line over it uh, or under it uh, and move on. But we'll see. We'll see if it's a story that keeps on giving. Before we move in or move on to the elephant in the room and discuss the board, um, earlier, just before the podcast, I caught up with one of our eight listeners, David Holtzink. I did actually get it right in the interview. And later on, uh, I didn't know. It, it's part of my, oh. the charm of his his name, um, of um, from from New York State to give us us an, an early view of of you know. I said outside our bubble of Twitter or podcasts or forums or Facebook, what was what were they seeing across the pond? And earlier I spoke to him, and, and Nigel joins in a little bit later, and, and this is what he had to say. And we welcome back to more than just a podcast. It's a name I always get wrong. I'm trying to get it right for the first time ever. David Houtzig. That is easily the best you've ever done. So I'm going to see Stone. Yeah, yeah. So, David, for the people who have not heard you before, 
uh, you're not English and you're not even from Canning Town. No, I'm not. But I have been to Canning Town with our good friend Nigel. He gave me the full walking tour. I had a pie and mash with the liquor. It was good. Um, I am originally from New York. I still live in New York State. Oh, don't spoil it. No, me. I've got to do the intro. Oh, uh, good evening, good morning, or good afternoon, David. Where are you? What are you doing? I'm not in my shed. I don't have a shed, but I want one. Yeah. I'm in my office. In, uh, in New York in State. State. In New York State, yeah. For those who know whereabouts in New York State, for those who might know. I am right on the Massachusetts border, so about three hours north of New York City. Uh, we won't. We have spoken to you before by your hammer, but that's not why we've got you on. Um, I did. I did give you right reply after going on the American podcast. So I am going to give you uh, thirty seconds of right reply before I ask you your take on the current meltdown with the West Ham board. So here you go: thirty seconds for your right reply for me slagging you off last week or week before. I am an American citizen. If two Americans are creating their own West Ham podcast, it is within my right and my duty as a citizen and a West Ham supporter to support them and listen to them. I am pleased that our friend X uh, mentioned his friendship with me and, and, and gave that some credence, but that in no way, shape, or form uh, um, should limit the, the my love of the club and my support of your podcast, of X's podcast, of Stop Hammer Time, all of them. I listen to all of you people, which is one of the reasons why I'm in such a lousy mood all the time. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, hey. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, David, um, obviously you can't have missed the absolute meltdown that's happening, uh, even from the other side of the pond, with the West Ham owners. And obviously there's been a sudden tipping point. Uh, recent poll says 92% of the of West Ham fans on Twitter want uh, the board out. I'm not sure how easy that is to achieve. It's, it's and, an accomplishment, Hugh poll. Yeah, and a Clarence Hugh poll even showed that 69% of of, uh, of our readers uh, want them to put the club up for sale. Um, so that's really why I invited you on to get a different perspective. Sometimes we can get a bit caught in a, a social media bubble, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Twitter, whether it be um, the, the bubble, which is different forums, whether it be KUMB or Clarence Hugh or West Ham Till I Die, etc. So let, let, let's take it from you. What um, <coughs> What's your take on all this? Are, are we overreacting? Oh, no. Um, no, not this? at all. This is a bubbling up. Of, of frustrations, of pent-up anger, particularly among those of us, and I would be included in that, who used to, you know, I, I'd hear Nigel and other people, I remember um, uh, my friend Brian Williams telling us a couple of years ago that the move will be the, the worst thing that's ever happened to the club, uh, that these guys are not to be trusted. And, and I, I heard what they said, I disagreed, I thought it, it would be illogical for them to do what they've done without having that as the potential end game. And I take no pleasure in in admitting I was a hundred percent wrong and they were all correct. They are disingenuous at best, dishonest at, at worst, and maybe just regularly. So the sooner that they are gone the better. They simply aren't good at their job. 
it really does come down to that. If you think back, it was the interview he did, I believe, with Jacob Steinberg, West Ham supporter, and you could sort of wonder, hey, Jake, how did you let this one completely fly over your head without any reply at all? Where Sullivan talked about the potential of yet another relegation on their CV. That would be, as I would call it, one for the thumb, because they've got relegation rings on their four fingers. This would be the fifth. That he talked about it as, oh, if we went down, we'd come straight back up. We always come straight back up. Hey, Sullivan, you are talking about multiple failures on a grand scale as businessmen, and you're somehow treating it as a badge of honor, as something that you could be proud of, that you'd put on your CV. You should be running straight for the edge of the cliff, and over you go. It The, the disconnect between his opinion so and So let's, let's talk about the top. Let's... Let's talk about the top five things, because what what people often ask, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, you know, this wasn't just the Tony Henry racism row. This wasn't just losing the FA Cup against Wigan or losing against Brighton, right? Because they're knee-jerk things. This is a cumulative effect and a tipping point, as I said earlier. In your view, and I want, I want to keep this as succinct and short as possible, what are the five things the board have done wrong in the last eight years? Can you, can you verbalize them in, into a, a list, a top five or a top three? I was referring to their number of relegations in their career as owners. Yeah. Meaning they've been relegated four times and this would be the fifth if they did. So am I prepared without having thought about that question ahead of time? Um, probably not, but I'll try my best. Let's think of five things that Gold, Sullivan, and Brady have done badly at best since they've owned West Ham. Let's see. Number one, hiring Moron Grant as a manager and then not seeing the writing on the wall immediately. You hired somebody who finished last and you do it again. Secondly, I'm jumping around in time frame. The move to to, to the London Stadium, bad move because the worst thing, as Nigel said repeatedly, your friend and mine, the worst thing that could happen is they make the move and they stay the same old West Ham. That was wrong. Um, third, constantly, somehow, whether it's leaks or what have you, I won't get into to the, the mechanics of it, but the, 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 the clearly false transfer stories that often seem to emanate uh, or emanicate from the board, whether it be the Carvalho debacle or this last one the other day. I'm at three now. Um, four. Four. No, that was four. You got one left. You got one left, David. Oh my God. Um, Boy, that's tough. I I have to. I'm. I've got four. Well, on a dime. That's you know. How about not not hiring you and Nigel to run the club? That's it. That's just. That's that would be. (laughs) And you've said that as Nigel joins our our interview of you, and I'm going to bring Nigel on. Actually, Um, obviously, I've just been talking to David. I gave him his his right to reply. Uh, for for leaving our uh, our eighth user of the podcast, although he's he's declared his love for us tonight, and ask him, you know, on his view of of the board. Nigel, have you got a question for David? No. <laughs> <laughs> Radio podcast gold it is best. I didn't. You didn't say I was going to ask a question. No, you didn't. All right. Well, I'm going to ask oh, my last question. He's got to remind me what time he lands because I've forgotten. Uh, a little after eight in the morning. Right. Like 8.30. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. 
Yeah, but you got to text We're me in the, the middle of an interview. We're yeah, in the oh, middle of an interview. Ask him a question. So and he yeah, I didn't want to ask question what time he lands so you can oh, meet yeah, with I've him. I've got a question for, the for him. Yeah, he's going to love this. Go on. What do you think of the American West Ham podcast, Dave? A valiant effort. Difficult to do. Yeah, he's, he's, good effort. Good, Well done, boys. You know, you gave it your best shot. You keep doing it. You improve over time. I love the I love the rap. It's it's really in my head now. Right, my last question to you because uh, we we've got a busy podcast tonight. What would you do if you were in the board's position, right? And you 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 don't think you can sell the club. You don't want to leave. What would you do? You're David Sullivan, David. You got the right name. Um, what would you do right now to to change things I'd get around? Get the hell out of my own way. I don't know if his ego and his is when you combine arrogance and a level of abject stupidity in certain areas. That's a terrible combination. If I could tell him, David, just, we're in a closed room. Close the door. Nobody else can hear us. David, get out of your own way. Just leave. You aren't any good at this job. You've tried for years, and you have more failures on your CV than you have successes. Get out. Get out while you still can. Because if you do that, you might be able to hold your head up with the wee bittest of honor and, and dignity. Other than that, you're just, you're going to look back at your life where pornography was the moral highlight of your, your business career. That is in and of itself all inspiring. Look, I couldn't ask for, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'll, just, I'll, let, I'll let the listeners decide what they want about that. David, uh, that's your 10 minutes of fame. Thanks for being back on the podcast and catch up with you soon. Keep on listening to more than just a podcast. Oh, of course I will. Right after I listen to the American one. Oh. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What did you think of that then, John? <laughs> oh, you can't throw that one at me, can you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm sure it was really entertaining and informative, Sean. I'm sure it was well worth yeah. a listen. Yeah. Um, look, I've got a confession to make. I've been pro-ball quite openly. I've supported the board. I've defended the board. And look, I, I don't want to be... I don't want to be accused of being a making a U-turn and jumping on board of a beep, beep, um, beep. a growing be careful. movement. This vehicle is reversing. Beep. <laughs> but I I've reached a point of disillusionment. Right, I'm not anti-board, but I I have got to a point where I'm no longer pro-board. I won't defend them. I've got to a point where. I'm disillusioned. I think they've had their chance. I won't defend them anymore. And I'm disappointed. And I have let that be known to certain people on the board. Um, and I'm upset that, that, that it's come to this. But I have come to the realisation, and I know you guys, Nigel and John, are going to say, we told you, Sean, where I don't see an easy way back for them. I've reached a tipping point and I think they're done with West Ham fans. The, the the real sad thing for me is I don't see a way out of this. I don't see anyone waiting to buy a Premier League club. No one really has in recent times. Uh, I know Southampton, 80% of the Southampton was bought for about 100, um, 108, uh, 200 million um in 2016, 50% of Everton was bought for £210 million last year. And West Brom, 80% of West Brom was bought for, I think, £150 million. But, you know, the figures they're talking about, valuation they're talking about, I just don't see, you know, I don't believe that we were offered £650 million by Red Bull. Uh, Gold has told me, doesn't know anything about it. It came from Jack Sullivan originally. And, um, you know, Red Bull even came out and said, no, we're not interested I just see it as a a standoff. I, I see them being stubborn and not wanting to put the board up for sale. And even if they did, I see it like Mike Ashley. Now, he's got an evaluation of £380 million for the last six months. He hasn't had a proper offer. He's called them time wasters. He still hasn't sold. No real clubs are selling. And I can't see them selling at lock, stock and barrel for four or £500 million. Um, I just see them hanging in the fans talk turning against fans and this getting worse and worse and worse. I see no easy way out. And it, 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 it upsets me that we've come to this. Um, but I will say, I say I'm not turning anti-ball cause that would be hypocritical of me, but I think they've a lot of this, they've got themselves to blame. Um, so let me ask you, John, I've done my confession. Um, and, and it really saddens me. Because like, there's a lot of people at the club I very much like. Have they lost the fans forever? Is there any way back for them from this point, John? Um, I, I, I think if you're if you're a realist, you're going to have to accept that they, they, it's not like you say. There's not people queuing up to buy it. Look, they've, I mean, they they really have sort of sort of done everything they can to alienate everyone, haven't they? The, I mean, this last transfer window, we've got to be the only club in history to go in a transfer window, make your actual squad that is depleted through so many injuries worse than it was 
before the transfer window and directly strengthen a relegation rival. I've never known anything like it. Yeah. And I think that could have really... And make a net profit of £14 million. Yeah. And then all these documents coming around where you see where they they offered £4.5 million up front for Dendonka and then with a payment of this and a payment of that. All of these caricatures of themselves was was actually highlighted in this transfer window and it, it's pushed people like yourself finally over the edge. Yeah. You know, but... This like real West Ham stuff going on with this March coming up on in in March, and these these things, I think that's good for a show of strength. But the realistic point of view has got to be a show of strength. This is what you're up against. Now let's try and find a solution to go forward because you're not likely to get a new owner in just like that, especially with all these clauses where they have to pay this much back after so many years and it's not likely to happen now unless we can get uh, I'm all for this show of strength let's let everyone see how much they've upset everyone let's do that let's all get on that and do it but then let's discuss how we move forward and I, I personally think that's Brady gone out of the club for good it's, it's gold pretty much retire just be a figurehead and Sullivan step back, budget it annually, new board, a proper policy, a proper transfer policy of how we move forward, apologising for all the shit and stuff they sold, all the lies they've sold us before, and start putting in some realistic targets. We got we need to stabilise now for the next two or three years, and once we know we're stable, we will really go for a cup, and we're trying, you know, some realistic targets, and and, that, and that's the only way I can see it changing. But would they do that? Are they not so full of their egos? And I mean, you know, you listen to that talk sport today and stuff that Sullivan was saying to Jim White after the game, who he's repeating it. You know, they just don't seem to have a clue. They don't seem to see it. And I mean, I fear that it will continue on this path where everyone's just at each other from both mm. two different sides will end up relegated, will end up on a downward spiral and then they'll sell it because they, they're making such a loss they won't be able to sustain it. So um, I'm, I'm going to shock you and say I agree with every single thing you've just said. Really? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I mean, that's that that's how depressed and and let down I feel by them that you know I, I think you're right I think there does need to be a change in leadership I think Karen Brady look I like Karen I've met her a number of times but I think with her other jobs with the apprentice on the sun but when when is she uh, directly the chairman I, I'm not sure she her eyes on the ball enough to run West Ham in the way it needs to but and she's leaving other so people many too. times that she needs to stop this not this um, sun column. And when that is yeah. implicated directly in the failure of a transfer target because of that column, Leicester City chairman, yeah. that shows that she's doing more Look, harm she's interested good. in politics. She's a lord or a lady. Um, I think it's time for her to either become a non-executive director at West Ham or just resign and, 
and step down and move on to something else. I also agree with you. I'll go one step further. Not only David Sullivan stepped back, but actually with the, the loss of the head of recruitment, a perfect time to get in a seasoned director of football. David Sullivan mentioned there might be one in, in the Premier League. Get a seasoned director of football yeah, and put a proper budget in. A new we on average... We don't need we on to average, see them all the time, do we? We don't need to hear from them all the time. Yeah, we on average have, have spent um, 25 million net a year over the last four years. It's not enough in the modern age. It's maybe what Birmingham could do with now, but it's not with West Ham. And I think they need to uh, adopt the um, Arsenal model. David Gold come off Twitter. Um, David uh, Sullivan, not talk to the papers anymore. Just become an anonymous figure, as is, as is the Arsenal board, where they don't even know who you are. Um, I don't know if that's possible, but I agree with your your plan and say that is the only way possibly to survive. Whether they're too stubborn to do that, yeah, I, and whether yeah, just, I suspect they probably are, and that's the worrying thing. I, like, I get no pleasure out of saying that. Oh, they, I mean, people say they saved us, but they could absolutely ruin us now, and it, yeah. it, that's the concern for me. Yeah. And I don't get any yeah. pleasure out of saying I've and never liked To make it worse, we, we, and I ran the story yesterday, we're only two weeks ago uh, away from the 28th of February. We're, we, the, the new figures are going to be published with a massive turnover, the biggest one West Ham has ever made for its first season in the London Stadium. A massive, massive profits. I mean, massive profits. Six, uh, you know, double-figure millions profits will blow people away and go, where's the money gone? Now, I've heard little rumours. I don't know for this a fact that they may have paid back some of their loans this year. I don't know if that's true. Until I see the accounts myself, I can't comment on that. Just a rumour I've been told. If that happens, that will be another PR disaster. That they, They've been... I, I know they lent uh, 50 million, but if they look like they're paying themselves back more money than they were supposed to, which was 2020 while they're not spending money in the transfer market. And and people are just not believing it anymore. When Jim White says, oh, yeah, we we um, we bid 25 million for Joe Allen on transfer deadline day and we got rejected. We've, we've heard it all before. Even if Sullivan's telling the truth, it doesn't matter anymore. People don't believe it. They've heard it too many times. They've said he's cried wolf. Wasn't time enough for a medical for Dean Docker. Right. Wasn't this. We couldn't do that. You know, heard that relegation clauses got put in most of the contracts, which turned a lot of people off. You know, the transfer policy is not working. We were promised a world class stadium with world class team with world class players. That's what Karen Brady said in a promotional video. You know, I've been looking through all the all the things they've said over the last eight years. Um, and it's when you play them all back and you put, uh, you know, some of them were throwaway comments and there's no problem with being ambitious saying we want to win the league or we want Champions League, etc. But the cumulative effect of when you put them all together on one piece of paper, you look back at them, it looks like we were spun over years and years and years. And slowly that's eaten away at me and suddenly there's been a revelation. Nigel, you've been very patient. What do you think? I know you're going to say, well, I told you so. I told you so, didn't I? You know, as you say, it's been spun over years and years and years, but it wasn't just me. There, there, there was, you know, there were pe- other people out there. There was quite a few people out there that, that argued the case. Um, the, 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 you know, the way I used to say it is I, I knew I was beat from the day it started. 
uh, but I had to do it for my for my own self. So when I look myself in the mirror, I can say I did everything possible to get people to realise and to stop the move. Uh, so so I did it for my own personal reason. I never thought I would win. I always thought that they would move the club. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got I got abuse off of it. Um, I got you know I got I got banned from Facebook groups, from websites, and I weren't abusive. Just because I told people what I thought is going to happen to this club, certain people came up to me and thought when I said this club. One of the things I said, a big thing that resonated with a few people that said to me is, I warned, I think four years ago, that if West Ham go to Olympic Stadium and stay as West Ham United, but just in a different stadium, in that stadium, they'll be held to pay. Now. This is what's happened. When I hear fans say, we want to get our club back, West Ham actually doesn't seem to have changed a lot. We've always been a circus. We've always been a car crash. Part of the attraction is that fun. What else would we have to talk about? So the old West Ham, actually, sometimes when hmm. crap like this happens, it, 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 it makes me chuckle because I think oh, it's good to see the old West Ham still there. And then you go to a game and you do that walk and the stadium and everything and then you realise, you know, I always said West Ham, for me, died uh, 10th of May 2016. And I've said it on here before, I don't give a monkeys who owns the club, which which is true because even if they do sell up and go, the stadium will still be the same. Everything else will still be the same. The only difference is yeah. it may unite the fans. And that's why I've long believed I don't care what they do. They need to go. The problem is, are they going to go? Now the realistic Nigel kicks in, because I am a realist. And I listen to what John says. And that, for me, is the only option. If they're not going to sell it. Well, even if they are going to sell up. It's going to take them two years, isn't it? Or a year and a half to sell the club. And what we don't want in that year and a half is what's going on now. The same rubbish, the same things while we wait for them to go. So the best thing they can do is do, as John says, Brady steps back. She can keep her shares, steps back. Uh, gold, well, he don't do anything anyway, shuts up on Twitter, stops being an idiot and goes and bees the granddad that he should be. Um, and Sullivan stops buying the players. I mean, Tony Henry was appointed as his personal scout when, when, if you remember, I think he wanted him as director of football and Allardyce told him, I'm not having him and I won't play his players. So in the end, Sully hired him still and had him as his personal scout which goes against when you sack him managers for the performance of the players that the owners sign in. How does that work? They need to go. If they want to be a professional business, bring a professional board in to run the club. And then possibly some of this will die down. Now, I will still sit there and argue that they should go, and I think a lot of others, but it may pacify those that sit more in the middle. Hmm. I, I what I don't know, right? And, and we could talk about this all night, and we we won't because it will be very boring. Is we know 
what Twitter says, right? We know what Facebook says. We know what Clarence and Hugh and, and people, because I, I read a lot of the comments and polls. So, you know, I mentioned a, a poll earlier, 92% want the board out on Twitter. I got a similar thing on, on whether they should sell up 92% or 91% on my one. Clarence and Hugh, a bit more conservative. Uh, 69% wanted them to put the West Ham up for sale. Yeah. Uh, I know you had your own poll, That's didn't right. you? On, on this suggestion that John just mentioned. What was the results to that, Nigel? Uh, it was 60%. And, and and that's the thing. A lot of Twitter polls, they go bald in, bald out, and it's around the 90% figure. Yeah. It's a bubble. Let's, let's be it. If you yeah. think that's real life, then, you know, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. It's a bubble. So 5,000 people, Irons United did one, 5,000 people voted, 91% yeah. said bald yeah. out. On yeah. my one, I answered the question differently. Uh, I've got nearly 3,000 people to vote, and it was 60% would implement what John has said in Brady yeah. steps back, gold uh, steps away, Sullivan stops meddling, new bold. Now, that's that's something for them to cling to because there they'd be able to sort of sway it. Yeah. Now, this is why I think they sit still. Can we start calling it John's plan now? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's been banging this drum at. Yeah. Hello, Nigel. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we call it John's plan. I like that. So, <laughs> like the Von Schliffon plan during the war. So, John's plan. <laughs> Well, um, I, I, I'm going to move us on now, only because we've got a little bit to do and we want to hear what other people have to I, say. I was saying, going to say, word, Sean, I was just going to say, you're saying, how will we know? You know, you're saying about this Twitter and all that. And I'm saying this this thing on this March, if there is the talk of, is there going to be, if there is a show of like 10,000 people, then that's yeah. how you'll know, won't you? Basically. Yeah, yeah I will. Because I, I don't want to like thing caveat that, but this is where I see, now I look at it and you're the owner and you go, there's 10,000 that have come March. There's there's people that we know that have said we're not going to games, but we're going to come on the March. Yeah. There's fifty thousand season ticket holders. Now, are they going to look at that and think, well, we're still forty thousand up on them? No, because the yeah. the, the, the realistic effort of people getting out there to March is is like it's it's a greater thing than just people. I hope they get fifteen thousand. That's what I hope because I think that does send a real message. Well, we shall, I'm not going to stand there and count them. <laughs> yeah, we, we shall see what happens. Um, anyway, turning to a slightly lighter, well, not lighter, but but um, Billy Bonds, um, who's a very good friend of Clarence Hugh, has sent us uh, nine items to put up for auction for the little girl who's got cancer and wants to get treatment in, um, in America. Uh, so I just want to plug that. We're going to do an oh, auction very soon. Isla Caton, uh, Isla's fight, as, as it's called, hashtag. Um, so we've got a shirt. It's not a shirt he played in that signed. This is from his personal collection, a number of pictures, etc. I've sent them to you, Nigel. Yep. You quite like the look of some of them. Yeah. Um, yep. What a gent uh, Billy Bonds is by donating them. We, we spoke to him, told him of what was going on and said, have you got anything? He literally sorted out um, his drawers and everything, got nine items, put them in the post the next day. And we got them, um, and we'll be putting a link. They're going to go on auction uh, in the next 
48 hours so look out for them and in, in, in if you can if you want to bid for them uh, you'll be raising money for for a little girl who's suffering from cancer West Ham fan who, who just wants some treatment in America so get your put your money in your pocket with uh, um, Nigel then because I know you, you're lo- I think you're it's get your money out your pocket but yeah, <laughs> whatever anyway it's time whatever. for this It's Facebook, Twitter question time. Uh, This morning I asked, podcasting tonight around 7.30 to reflect on the Brighton defeat and the perfect storm which is engulfing our club and our West Ham board. What is your personal view on the West Ham board? Can they remain, if so, under what conditions? Can they survive or are they done? Will they put the club up for sale? Would anyone want to buy it? Please send in your statements of fact, questions or just an angry rant. Get it out your system. Come on, you irons. Paul Seisman says, they aren't going anywhere and no amount of protest will change that. Too much windfall tax to pay, if nothing else. By the way, if the club is sold for 400 million, windfall tax by 2023 is around 37 million pounds, by the way. That's what I have to pay him. But still a handsome profit on the 90 million they paid for their shares to begin with. Oh, and they still get their, their shareholder loans back, of course. Alexandra McFarlane says, for all the years our chairpersons have been in charge, we have seen no progress, particularly on the pitch. We're all aware of the misleading statements we've heard, most notably on the new stadium. Outspoken, tacky comments made in the media. Drama after drama under the leadership, which embarrasses the club and tarnishes our reputation. On recruitment, players don't want to join us. Managers don't want to manage us. The list could go on. All this has created a negative environment and a dark cloud reigns over our football club. We deserve better. Should they go? I don't know if they will, but it doesn't seem to be working under their leadership. I'll leave it there. Come on, you irons. That's good. Good, yeah. Good. Taffy Warpack says, The board, I think they've run their course. Remain, not as they are now. Survive or done, if, and it's a very big if, if they do some serious spending the cash in the summer. Sale, not if I what, what I hear about strange arrangement they have. I don't know what that means. Buy, yes, there will always be buyers there, but it depends whether Gold, Sullivan and Brady get the price they want. And that, that's a good point, you know. You only can sell for their valuation. The strange arrangements, all the percentages they've got to pay back, as you've been discussing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Gaylor says, they're clinging on until Sadiq Khan gives them in and chucks them in the stadium at a massively discounted price. That way they can outline the new plans, which they never follow through, and try and look like heroes who had this plan all along. Then at the 11 hour, a bib will come in. They claim they didn't want to accept it, but the good of the club, they sell. They've done this on us big time. They've done a number on us big time. The moment they appointed Avram Grant, we should have known they don't have a Scooby-Doo, what they're doing in terms of football. And as soon as they accepted a rental contract for the stadium, we should have known that none of this was for good of the club or the fans. The only way for them to be forgiven is somehow deliver on all the promises that were made. Give us a home that's at least something close to what we had in Upton Park and give us a team we got something to be excited about. It won't happen. So for me, they're finished. No positive ones as yet. Nick Carthy says, <laughs> I'm long past angry rant, rants, but we'll make a few points. 
Brighton was a terrible performance. We never looked at the races from the off. Our wing-backs constantly out of possession and we were dominating the middle of the park. As many know, without Lanzini or Anatovic, we are devoid of any creativity. And so the result was rather predictable. As far as the board is concerned, the chickens are coming home to roost. They've continually lied in the promises re the London Stadium and failed to deliver any improvement on the footballing front, despite the vast increase in venues from broadcast rights. 17th richest club in the world. I'm not going to read all of it because it goes on for quite a while, Nick, uh, and, and we've got some time, uh, but you can read it on our Facebook group. Uh, Lewis Trout says they're handing the club down to the juniors, so they are going anywhere, in my opinion. The protest is pointless. And even if they did sell to someone else, they'd make sure it's the worst option so the fans would turn against these new investors and wish this slot back. And from what I read today, Moyes won't get a new contract, no matter what happens. So you did mention this on our WhatsApp group, John. Um, Matt Law in the Telegraph says, Moyes is going whatever. Yeah. Well, that's shocking, Mark. Do you think that's it's true? true. It's, it, well, I don't know. You tell us. I mean, it's. No, I I don't know anything about that. I'd be but it wouldn't surprise me if he went, if he chose to go. Yeah, yeah, true. John Borum says our esteemed chairman has come out today and claimed the bid for Joe Allen, but we were turned down. As if this would placate the fans. We we kind of tried but failed. Does he still believe we're all mugs, sir? Sergei Norash, I always get his name wrong. I'm shocked with the timing of the protests. We have a new manager. We fight for survival and revolution is the last thing we need at the moment. Just think about the media for seconds. Imagine all the headlines and how it will affect the staff and players currently in the squad and possible summer signings. Protesting is childish and irresponsible behaviour and it won't change anything. Russian criminals, Middle East dictators and Chinese communist billionaires are not waiting in line to take over. Sack the ball people should get real and take some responsibility. You wanted Billage in charge. Board followed your will. Backed him financially and now you accuse the board of the mess. Support the club. Wait until the summer and see what happens. By processing in the critical period of the season, you support Tottenham. Well, that, that, is, that is a different view from everyone else, but uh, everyone is entitled to their own view. I'll tell you what I would say. You know, we're talking about how it affects the players. I wonder, yeah. you know, the, the talk about Ginge coming to the fans at the end, giving it all the old money sign. And yeah. Do you think they would have been disillusioned as a, as a squad when the transfer window closed and they'd lost two strikers? And Yeah. Do you think, I, I, do you think, I think that could have been to. more of the reason why we were so crap against Brighton? I think it. I think the headlines are, I, I, I don't see how it can't affect, you know, uh, I mean, no one wants it to be them that are replacing their position, but equally they want the the the, the, uh, the, the squad strengthened yeah. uh, as long as it's not their position, yeah? Because they're all selfish, yeah, at the end of the day. Okay. They don't want to be on the bench, yeah? Yeah. Palumi says, I've officially given up on West Ham this season. Continue to win, lose or draw games, we should win. With a transfer of forwards in and out, this made no sense whatsoever. Not sure why we continue to trans players in and out only for a year. We aren't a top club and we shouldn't be doing that. We continue not to have the depth and I've complained how old our defenders are. A team of our size needs to develop our own players and we need to bring two back from loan, only to send them out again. The club continues to sabotage itself. If this continues next season, I'll stop being a fan 
and just watch Premier League games. Ooh. Good Lord. Uh, Ed Hughes says, we won't be sold. Look at Newcastle, equivalent like club, who have their own ground, struggling to get 300 million. G&S, Golden Southern, value at 800 million. No one will buy us at that price. How do Golden Sullivan and Brady rehabilitate themselves? Personally, they need to be quiet. So this is what someone else says. Uh, this is what Ed says. He's, he's, I want to hear from the owners if, one, we win a competition. Two, if there's been a change of manager. Three, an end-of-season end statement of how well we are getting on, including how we're doing financially, transparency, uh, transparency over debt, um, profit predictions, blah, blah, blah. They need a CEO to come in, not associate with the current regime to run the club. Let the manager deal with the tactics, injury updates, team selection and player development and recruitment. And the CEO with the with the finding, the fun, we will have the finding and the funding of the running of the club. Incidentally, Considering the car crash of organisation we're currently in, Moyes is clearly the man to manage uh, the club long term. Do you agree with that, um, John? What he's the man? Well, I don't know Nigel. You you've got an opinion on Moyes more than me. I think. Yeah, I I quite like Moyes. I'm, I'm not saying his football style's not great, but I you know I can and. The, it's funny because I slaughtered Allardyce from day one because I, you know, the Darth Vader of football and an alien to the culture of our club. The difference between Allardyce and Moyes is when you listen to Moyes, it's very contrite and he says all the right things, and he instills confidence. Or I've got confidence by listening to him in Moyes being a really good fit in a way that I could probably forgive some of the crap football that we play. Whereas if it was Allardyce, I'd be slagging him off from I Evan just because he's, you know, Sherry Fat Man, basically. Yeah. And 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 not any way near respectful to the yeah, fan base. That's what I'm saying. He, Allardyce, the first thing Allardyce just said to the club, what's the West Ham way? It's the losing way. Well it weren't the losing way, because if we'd have played the West Ham way, we wouldn't have lost. So he got that wrong. And it was there. That's when he lost me. As soon as he opened his gob, gone, get out. That was it. So let's move on because we've still got a lot. Ed Hawthorne says if they don't like if they don't spend big over the summer, seventy five million plus, I'm done. I don't think this board is milking the club or wants us to fail, but it's getting hard to defend them. I'm officially on the fence. A bit like me. How hopefully they invest what we thought we would when we moved. Liam Tyrell says, reports suggest Moyes won't be around in the summer. We discussed this. This could be a recipe for disaster. Remember, Manchester United's dive, nosedive when Fergie initially said he was retiring under Big Sam and we barely won a game. But everyone knew his contract would not be extended. And the final one on Facebook is Mark Bright says, talk sport this morning, says it all. Jim Brown knows White and Sullivan. We did build, bid £25 million for Joe Allen and then he has a cheek to say we tried our best. How many more lies? I'm glad there will be a mass protest to show these idiots what we really think. Also bet they're doing everything in their power to hide their annual accounts that will be published soon enough. And that will be their final nail in the coin to see massive profits they have made and spent sod all. How in this mine can Sullivan honestly think he's doing a great job and cares about West Ham is just a joke rant over well there you go only Sergey was the one to defend them I think um, and say 
they shouldn't go. So not not a good. Anyway, quickly on Twitter, um, obviously the same question. Um, Sarah the bastard says, "When will this drama at West Ham United ever end? Is there any way the ball can?" mend the broken relationship with the majority of fans. Well, we have discussed that, Sarah. Um, Neil Rumsug on uh, on uh, Twitter says, how catastrophic would relegation be? Relegation has been a possibility every season this board has been in charge. If the club isn't a, piece, a place where it can cope financially, surely more proof we're badly run. Well, um, for them, I think the, the, the value of West Ham would half from 400 million to 200 million. And uh, it will cost them at least fifty million pound in losses, maybe more, um, by going down. Um, simple as that. So, you know, from a financial point of view, uh, Taylor Street says on Twitter, "What are your thoughts on Huggill? Is it a clever, quick fix, a pacifier for the fans, or another disappointing window, or something else?" And now it looks like we are right up. You were right about Big Andy being done for the season again. It does look like that. Uh, is it time to move on without him? Um, so Andy Andy Carroll does look out for the season. I did predict it. Um, Pe- Pedro Ubiang has had his uh, operation in, in Spain this weekend. He's out for the season. So let's just go back to Huggill. Um, Nigel, do you know anything about him? Do you think he could be a, a ray of sunshine? Well, if it's true about Moyes, I would double question the signing because I think I think Moyes has yeah. used his contacts at, at um, Preston and done his own work. We know Moyes is thorough and wants to see him, so hopefully he has seen him. And he obviously likes him. The YouTube video of all his goals naturally looks good, but what they never show you is the U- there's never a YouTube video of all their misses. Now, that's what I would want to see. Yeah. You know, is it is it one goal for every five shots he had? David Cross says it's good. Well, David yeah, Cross, David friend of the Cross, who's a scout for Blackburn, so what the probably is, yeah. has seen him a lot up in Preston. So that he says he will remind you of someone. Swindler, he hasn't told me who, but I will give David Cross a ah. I'm going to give David Cross a call <laughs> and do a little interview him and ask him yeah. about our new player. Last one. Oh, well, one more. Uh, Taylor Street also says, "Great interview, Nigel. Well done." Uh, I think he's talking about your your uh, claim to fame on uh, on Premier League productions. And finally, Robert Jersey says, "Should we get Marco Silver in to replace Moyes, yes. Nigel?" Um, John. Um, yes. I'm going to say no. I actually <laughs> no, like I David Moyes. Moyes. Well, no. See, I can't agree with you on everything. Yeah, Moyes is going though, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, well, I don't believe it. I, 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 I'm going to tell you, say, no, I'm saying Mike, Matt uh, Law said that in the Telegraph. I'm going to tell you, I don't know this for a fact. I think that's complete rubbish and no decision has been made. And I think Mark Law is, is jumping on, or Matt Law is jumping on the bandwagon of an, uh, a feeding frenzy by the media just to throw in a massive hand grenade headline uh, to upset the fans a little bit more. I've got go. a tweet for it. you. Yeah, quickly. Says the reason I listen to more than just a podcast is my best mate now lives in Dubai, so I wasn't getting to hear what was happening at West Ham. I tried in commas, he's put your mates pod, but they seem to be puppets for the board. <laughs> uh, that Who's is Andy, that? the Spurs fan. <laughs> I 
on Twitter who tweeted me that I have conversations with him. And uh, so, I who, think who's he's he talking, talking about? about when he says my mate in commas. I think he's talking about um, Dave from Sex and Drugs and Kong. Same way. Ah. He's, why? Why didn't you admit saying you listened to Dave on the um, West Ham way? Yeah, talking about something. And what, what, yeah, what did listen, you say to him? I listened to Dave because uh, uh, it was a two-hour episode, so I, I, I split it up. So I listened to half it, and I listened to the other half this morning into work. And ninety percent of what Dave said was bang on the money for me. Ninety percent. There's the ten percent I didn't agree with. But well, no, let's no, not no, go no, about that. 90% of what he said, I thought he was spot on the money. The, the, the differences of opinion I have with him was over the treatment of Billich, the things he said about Julian Dix, and some of the yeah. other things he said about players. Apart from I wanted to leave it on the nice bit. Anyway, we, we've completely overrun today. So we're going to do predictions. And we are playing a game against Watford at home. Are we all going? Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, yes. Are you going? It's not are we yeah. going, it's are you going. Yeah. I'm going. I'm bringing the kids, yeah, yeah. I've got the kids this weekend, but I'm bringing the kids, yeah. Sports so I'm coming first. to the game, yeah. Yeah, why not? And we do need to say something about the Sporters Club. The Sporters Club, if you're a member of the West Ham United Supporters Club, um, we need your help because there is a a, a vote to try and dissolve the club. And if you haven't read an article, I'm going to post it on the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash more than just a podcast about what's going on at the West Ham Sports Club. If you're a member and there are 720 members, give what I've written a read and please support the club because we don't want it to disappear. It's been around for 70 years uh, and we don't want it to go, do we? No, no, definitely not. No. Um, and I've already vouched for all your votes already, as Nigel will tell you. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I did enjoy on? that, yeah. Uh, I, I promised the votes uh, for, for all podcast presenters in the upcoming vote. I said, yeah, you can count on our, our five votes without discussing with you. Oh, yeah, nice. well, I did tell him, uh, <laughs> you look after yourself and I'll look after mine. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about... Um, Watford at home, Nigel. Yeah, what predictions? Yeah, predictions. Well, I'm on a roll. I got both right last week. I thought I'd just dig that in. Um, I, I actually think we'll win. I Ooh. think we'll win two-one. Excellent, John. I reckon we will continue on this path of draws, and we will draw one-one. I'm going to go for my famous 1-0 win because it's been left. So I'm going to say we'll win 1-0. And that's all the time we've got at the moment. Um, we'll be back next week, won't we, guys? Talking about another great week in the world of West Ham. I look forward to it. It's goodbye for me, Sean. It's goodbye from John. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And it's goodbye from Nigel. See you later. What's the canning view town of it? Talk to us. Blow by by the glade. Blow by by the glade. Oh! Come on, you irons! Bye.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.